Live from the Stone Age, it's the Clan Fire, a primordial podcast about Plangea, the prehistoric campaign setting for 5th edition. I'm David. I'm Finn. I'm Avalon. I'm Dan. And I'm Adam. Today's topic is the three brother clans. The strong bear clan, the shrewd ape clan, and the fearless lion clan. All worship powerful gods, and their influence casts a long shadow over neighboring gods and clans. But before we jump into our main discussion for tonight, we have some fun announcements to make, actually. First is our Echoes of Plangea uh, initiative for Patreon for June that came out uh, a, little, a few weeks ago. Uh, this one is focused all on the place in Plangea called the Dire Grazelands. Um, we came out with uh, a document called Tales from the Dire Grazelands, which includes some new magic items, some new monsters, um, and we're going to give you a preview of some of those here. We also came out with uh, an adventure um, for the Dire Grazelands. So uh, first, we will, uh, you know, give you give you a little little preview of some of these some of these things you can get if you are a patron of Plangea. Um, there's a magic item that we created for the uh, the initiative this month, which is called Poncho of Standoffs. Um, it is a wondrous item. It's uncommon, but also it lets you um, add 10 to an initiative roll when you're standing in direct sunlight, um, and you can't use it until the next high noon after you use it, uh, which is a, a, very, a very thematic, a very fun, and I feel like very potentially very useful magical item that you could have you could add to any of your plain gia games that are set in this kind of western inspired uh you know area of plain gia so i thought that was a, a fun one to include there dan why don't you uh tell us about one of the monsters that you created for this uh section this month oh certainly well uh out there in the dire grazelands there are many enlarged dire versions of existing creatures and uh, one you might find wandering out there making tunnels is the Dire Bulette. I don't know if that's how the designers of that monster wanted me to say that, but that's, that's what we're doing. <laughs> um, bigger, meaner, more frightening, harder to kill, harder to hit, more damage. If you want to put the fear of the underground in your players, you run this monster. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sheriff, for that. Um, <laughs> that's wonderful. And yeah, uh, those and more you will find in the Tales from the Dire Grazelands uh, packet that we've uh, posted on our Patreon. So if you want to get your hands on those, just head over to patreon.com slash to get them. Also in this month, last month's uh, selection of Echoes of Plangea was the Secret of Shell Shrine, uh, which, David, do you want to give us a little bit of info about the Secret of Shell Shrine? Is that kind of your baby? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the Secret of Shell Shrine, which is hard to say, by the way, is an adventure of druidic magic and undead power in the set in the Dire Grazelands. And it's pretty simple. Uh, there is a ruined shrine built into the shell of an armored dinosaur out in the grasslands. The shrine is rumored to conceal a weapon of great power, a sacred sickle, and the lizard folk who live near it have reported strange noises and signs of undeath. The shrine awaits those brave or foolish enough to explore its chambers and its secrets. Um, so it's just, it is just a dungeon crawl. It's just a dungeon crawl and a big old dead animal. There's undead stuff. There's druidic stuff. Uh... There's some, uh, there's something for everyone. There's some, there's lots of, lots of little combats, some big combats, some social encounters, some puzzles. If you like dungeons, this is the place, place for you. Dungeons, maybe not dragons, but there's grass wine. 
There's grass wine, which uh, originally I had uh, that when you drank it, it did poison damage to you guys. And you all told me that that was a bad idea. So now it just it just makes you. It did two poison damage. Imagine like (laughs) drinking a wine so bad that it just kills you after two drinks. Well, See, that's where I started. We pulled, we pulled back from that concept, but that gives you a pretty good feel of the flavor of this adventure overall. Yes. It's the pretty funny, but like, why would you ever drink that? Welcome to every design conversation that Finn and I have behind the scenes. <laughs> Who does this? Yeah. David, how, does it, how does it smell on All the right, inside? Let's, let's not get caught up too much on All the right, questions fine. about that information is included in the adventure. It is. So, so that will be in there. So just head over to the Patreon if you are curious also as to this super deadly wine that you could potentially drink or have one of your players drink, um, which sounds like a fun time, to be honest. Um, but we will move on now to our next bit of news, which is huge. And oh, yeah, uh, we, you know, we it was uh, leaked kind of on the on the Discord a little while back, maybe about three weeks back or something, sometime in June. Uh, and it has been since been posted on Reddit and on Twitter all over. But uh, David, here, here, why don't you why don't you share this bit of news again? Because it's okay. All right, I will. So. Uh... The I, I just like I'm trying to even think about how to begin uh, opening this up because it's so exciting <laughs> to me. It's you. I will just I'll just spill it and then we'll talk about it really quick. Um, Plangia, the homebrew adventure D and D Stone Age setting that has sort of arisen from uh, you know some good ideas, some Reddit, some Discord, um, has now been officially announced to be being published by Atlas Games. We have an official publisher for the setting. This is coming from a real major honest-to-goodness game company to you in a gorgeous hardback uh, via Kickstarter a little later on this year. Uh, date TV announced, but it is coming soon um, from Atlas Games. And for those of you who um, don't know Atlas Games, they are uh, kind of a force to be reckoned with. They used to publish a ton of D&D stuff in previous editions, but they've been laying low on 5th edition, um, and they've been sort of like waiting for the right opportunity, the right way to uh, wade into this edition, and I'm so excited that Plain G is how they're going to be entering the market, um, not least because Justin Alexander of the Alexandrian is developing it. He's the uh, head of RPGs over there, and he is legendary uh he is uh I, I can't tell you how many times i've been surfing on rpg sites or reddits or whatever and they're like oh yeah this article from the alexandrian he's just um a total icon um i am so so happy to be working with him uh and in fact we might have to get him on this podcast at some point Ooh, that's uh, a great I, think, idea. I think that's something that could happen yes Definitely. So. Oh, it's, it's all so exciting, David. We're all so happy to hear it. People were freaking out on the, on the Discord when <laughs> you shared it with us. That was awesome. And uh, yeah, things like uh, Justin Alexander. I mean, his I see his blog, The Alexandrian, referenced as like a treasure trove of D&D content and like advice all the time when I you know browse online for, for things like that. Absolutely. Uh, just all great signs, basically. <laughs> all really, really good news to hear uh and we are just uh ecstatic to to know that this is going somewhere and that it's happening it's great yes <laughs> it's awesome i know there's been that whole announcement but it like still sort of doesn't feel real yet yeah you know what i yeah, mean i totally do yeah i i was um 
it it started to feel real to me when I met with like the Atlas Games marketing team. Oh, and yeah. I'm sitting on a call with like a bunch of people to market this. And I was like, this is like a company. Oh, I'm like working oh. with a company on this. Uh, that's when it started to feel real to me. I think it's going to feel real to all of us when the Kickstarter drops because yeah, uh, they are putting some muscle behind it. It's going to be awesome. Oh, geez. I'm so excited. That is so wonderful. Well, let's keep that energy with us as we move into our first part of tonight's episode, uh, which is talking about these brother clans. Uh, but more specifically, we're going to start out with, uh, I guess, the youngest? Yeah, the youngest brother <laughs> of the brother clan, uh, which is the bear clan. Um, so yeah, and this time we're going to structure the episode a little bit more... Um, more specifically so we're trying to go in and tell you guys exactly what's going on here and later on we'll get to how you can use it in your game first we want to tell you about the lore and then we'll get to that you know how does it work how does it happen in a DD game but first let's let's hop into uh the lore of these clans specifically the, the bear clan so david why don't you why don't you hop us off on, on the bear clan again perfect yeah so just for anyone who is new to the setting, the idea basically is there are these five big rivers that come out of the middle of the world, the northern three of which are each kind of owned by um, an individual clan. Uh, and these clans have built generations, building up land around them. And each one of them is allied with one of the most powerful gods known in Plangea. Um, Again, in Plangea, gods are always local. They always real, rule a specific territory. So you have the Bear Clan with Urhosh the Unkillable, the Ape Clan with Ko Many Arms, and the Lion Clan with uh, Unblinking Glel. And so for each one of these clans, um, you can sort of think of them as, um, in video game terms, they can be like your starting zone or your basic... Um, I guess this is getting into little game mechanics, but like they're they're intended to be uh, sort of the default um, way to enter the world and sort of what you think of when you think about uh, Stone Age societies. Um, if you so are, David, if you're looking yeah. for not just strictly gamey way of putting it, it's like probably the most populous non-urban environment that yeah. is like huge. So if you're not looking for like you guys start out in a city. The brothers right. are a good way to do that. Yeah, exactly. And the idea is they're, you know, each one kind of has their own domain. They're still um they're still nomadic, like they'll still move from place to place, but they've this is the place they keep coming back to. So this is a place that is a nice blend of sort of you can have uh, you know, a fortress they've spent generations adding to, but the clans still move north and south with the changing of the seasons. Um, they still have kind of that nice flow between, you know, bountiful summer when they're with their God and then hard winter where they're uh, in the South where the more evil gods are. Um, and the idea is that each of these clans is made up of a lot of little camps. So you still can have those small clan experiences of just, you know, five, 10, 20, 30 people, but they're sort of in this confederation. They're all part of this larger, um, this larger clan that makes up uh, one of these three brothers. Um, and uh, I'm just trying to go over the stuff that's sort of common between all three of them before I jump into the bear clan specifically. Um, yeah. They all have sort of a chieftain and a shaman. 
Um, the idea is too, they're all, none of them are racially based. So you can have any race uh, found in there. Although some of them, and we'll talk about this, have more of one race than another. Um, I think the default assumption in the plain geo games that I would run is that like humans are the majority. Um, uh, yeah, that's usually pretty default. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, Humans and... are the rabbits of races in uh, <laughs> there fantasy is. settings. Yeah, yeah, True. exactly. Um, they uh, the last couple of things are just like they tend to use a lot of beasts. They humans are good at taming beasts in Plangea, so um, lots of like uh, animals working with them. Um, and these clans have this sort of um, uh, one of my. Uh, like an interdependence they they want each other to stay away and stay in their own uh sort of area but they um need each other to sort of trade with each other so there's some interaction between the clans you can almost think of sort of your classic fantasy kingdoms where you know each one wants to kind of have its own place but the the borders are porous between the two um i think that's that's the big overview so it's a great place to sort of start uh to explore the world from um, anything else you would add to all of that? Well, I, I was just thinking to rephrase that too, uh, in a way, is also just that it's like the introductory area where you, you have kind of a playpen to work within to, to see what this primordial world is like, and then kind of, you know, that can extend out into the more exotic places that kind of fulfill some sort of other uh, fantasy within the world. Where this is, I mean, I wouldn't say that this is like these these three clans are not like you know, exotic, but just more that they kind of are the most like, oh yeah, it's like kind of you know, prehistoric people type thing. Like they have yeah. they have these these traits that they each of them have that is interesting, but it's uh, as much as possible. It's not mixing in other like tropes. I'd say as much as you know what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah. exactly right. And they're each kind of skewed to show a different aspect of what prehistoric prehistoric society might have been like or would be like in a fantasy world. Yeah. So, you know, the bear clan is very sort of caveman, caveman. The ape clan is sort of uh, maybe the most stone punk. And the lion clan is sort of these dreamy um, mystics. And so it sort of depending on how you want to start, what lights up your brain in terms of uh, prehistoric fantasy, they all can be uh, really great starting places, but each one is uh, intended to ha have a real mix of sort of good and evil built into it. So just as much as any could be your starting place and sort of the clan that you hold allegiance to, just as easily each one of these could represent a real menace uh, in your game, depending on your point of view. Yeah, I'd also say that they, especially the brothers' clans, aren't monoliths. Um, since people are kind of living very far apart, or not far apart, but they're kind of in their own little communities. Um, and while the Bear Clan has traits of, you know, very caveman and whatnot, um, that obviously doesn't mean that the entire clan is like that, because right. you couldn't yeah. run a clan like that. Um, so it's about kind of a general affect of the clan but you have these little communities in which a variety of different identities are being represented. Um, like, yeah, you have, and it also is like what they value. Um, yeah. The bear clan values strength and um, kind of fortitude. And also without the people who cook and feed and clothe them, they'd be 
super dead all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's such a great and important point. I think, yeah, the the archetypes that we're about to talk about are what their culture values, what's sort of held up in their in their um, stories, um, you know, the the people who they look to as like, oh, look at that guy. Um, but in no way, you're completely right. Like in no way is the intent that everyone is that way. And I think one of the fun thing about having clans broken up into these smaller camps is you can have a camp that goes wrong, right? You can have a, you know, a smaller subgroup of the brother clan that is just evil or corrupt or one that is just doing things in a completely different way because that's the way that they survive and they're not evil at all. So I think that's, that's so right. The, everything we're talking about is sort of um, hooks for understanding the world and like these different cultures, but they're not intended as every bear clan member acts like this all the time. Cause not only is that bad world building, that's also just not going to be fun to play. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. I mean, there's, there's lots of ways to, you know, go between the lines too on what that is. Like, obviously not every character has to be black, white, or uh, I'm, uh, okay. Not every character has to be red, green, or blue. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, there's three. Exactly. I didn't want it just to be like black and white. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so they don't have to fit perfectly into one of the you know archetypes. These aren't all the archetypes that exist in the entire world. Just because you don't necessarily fit into one of them doesn't mean that you know whatever you're you're an outcast. No, you yeah. just you just happen to not fit in that type of uh, scenario. Like maybe you just don't quite identify as much with that. There, there's also some additional value uh, provided by the divinity of the the just the gods but in plain Gia, but particularly the brothers um which makes it a lot less uh like ambiguous where territories lie like there's clear okay the, the gods have this influence this that the other thing which makes it a lot easier to be like okay but in this like prehistoric setting without uh writing and this that other thing how do they keep like uh borders clear and obviously there's going to be fuzzy stuff and they uh it's not like well on this like right here is where the borders end but there's like uh an in-world justification for the territories here and why people will stay like within a certain region uh even if it's not something super obvious like rivers are good um yeah so it it it, it great it's great it, it uh the brothers present their own little like small uh ecosystem um and environment that uh, is its own society, but also uh, fits very well into Plangia as a whole. Yeah, that's right. And by the way, this is a total aside, but I just wanted to mention, because I don't know how much we've talked about it. Um, the way I see it, God's territories can overlap. And like, these are pretty big gods. I could imagine there being smaller gods who have like, you know, this individual hilltop or that individual valley who like, don't bother the brothers too much. Um, so if you do, uh, wow, I'm the one who's breaking all the rules about not talking about mechanics yet. All that to say, uh, <laughs> there, there, you know, these are areas that are ruled over by a single over god, but it's totally reasonable to think that there could be a smaller god sort of peppered throughout this, as long as you know, as long as they don't get too ambitious, and as long as they don't um, contradict anything that sort of the the, the greater god says. Now I'm curious, David. Um, would the gods, uh, the more powerful, the brothers, be aware of these smaller gods? And if so, yeah, I why think so. They, why do they tolerate them? It'd be as like, like an eventual source of food, or 
Just, I think it's. That's, I, I knew that was where you were going. I was like, Ken's <laughs> going to bring up cannibalism. Yeah, and we're going to get I there. Knew it. We're going to get there. Um, it's a great question. I think the way I think of gods in Plangia is a lot like nobility or royalty in a medieval setting. And so I think that there can be sort of not a, not a, um, all the way to a, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? A fealty system? That's not the right word. Feudalism. Feudalism. Yeah. Not all the way to feudalism where I like, uh, you know, you have a boss and he has a boss and he has a boss. But I think kind of more a of a pyramid scheme where more you, wa you want to give you want to give your downline <laughs> a little That's bit of encouragement to fatten them up and then you can just reap the rewards when you eat them. Also, have I told you all about know, my line of home goods that I want to talk to you all about? Oh, no, um, no, that yeah, I think that's right. Or you can another maybe better example is um, or metaphor like the birds that coexist with like a rhino um, that yeah. sort of like clean it and help take care of it. So maybe it's like that. Like maybe the only gods that are allowed are small enough and non-competitive enough that it's like, oh yeah, you know what? You hang out and you like get some followers who will keep, you know, take care of that area and, uh, you know, maybe kill a druid or two if you find them. Um, <laughs> just don't, don't annoy me. Yeah. I, I like the idea of though the the uh, brother clan god kind of leasing some land or like you know renting it out to a smaller god. Like you can use this for a while, but I I'm gonna take it back. Like you better know I'm going to take it back or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that yeah. would work for the smaller god, honestly. But because they can't move. Well, and all, yeah, and also like gods are emerging all the time, right? So like, how could there not be a smaller god like bubbling up every now and then? It's a question. Um, and maybe a good adventure hook to sort of see what a brother clan, what a brother god makes of that when it arises. Yeah. Um, no, but I think I the only other. Oh, go into, ahead. I don't want to get too much into deep lore, but um, said merging and not eating one another. And I know that we've talked about that before, but it's just something to think about. Like, yeah. how much of the god, how much of the, the the consumed god goes away? Yeah, and how much it's a good stays, How much sticks around? Totally. Talk about another time. Yeah. Uh, the only other two things I wanted to mention are the Summer Wars and the Winter Walk. Um, basically, in the summer, these clans sort of like ritually fight each other to sort of settle various scores. Um, and so that's that's a part of their culture. And then in the winter, they head south and they cooperate to survive. And the tribes sort of all blend during that time and then reform when they go back up north, which makes for, you know, intermarriage and sort of transfer of ideas. So that's just in support of what Ava was saying earlier. Like these are in no way meant to be monolithic at all. Um, there's sort of this fluidity and this interaction, um, as well as just the trade that goes on between the clans all the so time. Those annoying incestuous in-laws that um, <laughs> you know everybody has, right? Incestuous what? what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Those are the ones. Excuse me. <laughs> so let's start talking about the bear clan. Yes, bears. Before we, all before right. we, I, I did have a one more larger yeah. scope question. Um, I know you and I have talked about this before, but how how violent the summer wars get? Like how how bad does it get? I think it depends on the summer. It probably it depends, depends on the on summer the and what's happened. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I also feel like sometimes it's just kind of ritual. Like, oh, we're just getting out our anger. You know, like this isn't too bad. Like we're doing. You know, we're battling because we battle every summer. Like we can't not battle in the summer. But I feel like some some summers it's probably like I don't know. Like we don't. 
we're not that angry at them right now. We'll just fight them a little bit and then go home or whatever. Was, yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah. I was I was thinking about the context of like uh, like an all out war campaign where yeah, like negotiations and any diplomacy has completely broken down. Yeah, and I'm like sure I it think depends on it's like gang wars slash uh, uh, right. Romeo and Juliet, the Montes and the Capulets. Oh my gosh, yes. Let's just yeah, totally. make an adventure that's Romeo and Juliet. Like maybe the individual people don't necessarily hate each other, but there's just tradition and expectation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like um I feel like if, you know, if some lines were crossed in the winter south, like the deal there is everyone's supposed to help each other and share. So if like one clan felt like another had really broken that faith or if a particularly violent chieftain arose, or if just things got out of hand, I could easily see the summer wars becoming really, really violent and acrimonious. Or other years, it could just be like, "Look, you raid us, we raid you." Um, sort of, you know, got our, you know, got our anger out. Now we're going to move on. So, but I think doing a full campaign where the summer wars have just gotten completely oh, out of control would be very cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's really cool. But yeah, let's let's dive deeper now into into our first one here, the Bear Clan. We, we might get through several clans today. We might not, depending. <laughs> or on we, might not. we might not. We might just, just do the Bear get clan. through one. Yeah, who knows? We made yeah. it. We made it through nine episodes of strict scheduling. We got to episode ten and decided, fuck all that. Eh, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. We'll, we just want to slow. Yeah, about the we just give the people down. what they want. Slow Aimless down. Rambling. Do a deeper dive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> the promise of the podcast all right so the bear clan um so here's the sort of the tagline for them strong joyful and prone to excess the bear clan lives from feast to feast and and values physical might above all so uh what can we say about the bear clan they are they really emphasize physical strength um so games social gatherings ceremonial events all involve feats of strength um as sort of uh, a key part so there you're sort of like big as a, as a people what they value is being big tough like strong being able to lift heavy things and throw stuff and it's sort of that uh scottish highland games approach um to life uh, they're big into um laughter and feasting there's actually an interesting little part in here where Bear Clan members have been known to starve themselves until they can gather enough for a large meal. So there's this idea of the feast being very important in the clan, even if you sort of have to, um, you know, go without until there's enough to really cover a table. Um, uh, let's and see. Tied to that concept is also the idea of like endurance, like being able to move through the you know, just be be too strong enough to go and like live through that like little bit of pain before you're just like, oh no, yeah, now we're here. Yeah, now we can actually feast and do all these amazing things. Like, yeah, exactly. Is the same the same sort of thing is kind of like enduring hardship. Yeah. Although I will say, unlike the like Lion Clan, which is all about stoicism and mysticism, oh, yes. I feel like if the Bear Clan was like enduring something, they'd probably have like a complaining contest while doing it. Um, <laughs> they wouldn't they wouldn't come, they wouldn't endure quietly yes they would want no, to make it clear how much they are enduring and how yes. much they are enduring more than other people yes yeah exactly. look at me <laughs> yes. you think you're miserable i'm twice as miserable as you i think of it like yeah. strength and charisma at the same time like yeah you know, those two embodiments in the, the clan they really cover yeah. those really well 
I think that's exactly right. That's awesome. Um, And let's see, they have, they domesticate bears. So in Bear Clan, it totally makes sense to have like just your pet bear by your side. Uh, Rangers uh, line up here because pet bears make sense here. Um, And they do a lot of bear wrestling also. And it's sort of like, uh, like riding a bucking bronco. You're not really expected to win. It's just how long can you last before you're sort of crawling out afraid for your life. <laughs> and like most of the time they're like not domesticated but you know like tamed ish bears you're, like you're saying but yeah. you know it's still a bear so <laughs> still a bear it could just kill you like that's definitely that's definitely happened before when they're wrestling oh yeah for sure yeah. um something i like about the bear about all of the clans is they each kind of have their own look so if you're familiar enough with the world of playing Gia and someone describes, you know, another person, you should be able to be like, wow, they're dressed like a bear clan person or a ape clan person. So bear clans tend to dress again. This is like the most caveman approach, just like thick layers of heavy furs, densely piled. So you'd like your classic sort of brown shaggy silhouette is, you know, what cave, uh, what bear clan members want to look like. That's that's their high fashion. Um, they build their uh, structures like beehives. They're all the beehives, and they're uh, if you're trading with Bear Clan traders, they're going to have mostly raw goods. Um, they'll have a lot of honey and furs, and sort of um, they don't make a lot. They don't uh, trade a lot of you know made objects. It's more like the raw materials that other people use uh, in their stuff. But if I understand that correctly, it's not just that they kind of build their their communities and their shelters based off of beehives they also have a ton of beehives right yeah that's right like in, in oh. their you know near their things they're definitely beekeepers yeah and they have um something that i really attached to was the fortress of bees which i think oh, yeah. is a torture chamber of bees um it's yeah let's let's I mean, talk personally, about personally i think that's terrifying um i think the whole point is that you just get stung by bees over and over until you (laughs) i don't know yeah Yeah. until something it's bee prison it's bee prison so yeah go ahead sorry it fits with it fits with the honey like in the beekeepers um it'd be very interesting to see someone collecting honey while you're being tortured i think that's like i think that's the peak of bear claim torture i think that's it that's yeah yeah, that sounds like anguish. Uh, no, the Fortress of Bees is like if you want a dungeon in the um, Bear Clan territory. There's this idea of like, yeah, this big old high walled uh, fortress where you can hear sort of the constant buzzing from all these hives, and people are incarcerated. And um, like I said, each clan has their own kind of dark edge uh, enough that if you wanted to make them the villains, you could. And the thing about the um, the Bear Clan, which uh, I guess it would be cool to get into now, is the line between the Bear Clan and the Stone Empire of Giants is actually a little fuzzy. They're neighbors, um, sort of just only separated by the Bitewater Lake and some mountains. But a lot of half-giants, <laughs> Goliaths, uh, <laughs> live... Uh, <laughs> live with the uh the bear clan with their emphasis on strength so there's like half giant population 
And also the Bear Clan um, forces their captives into forced labor. Uh, so they are, they, that's sort of their uh, cultural sin, if you will, is they, they are, they will totally, if they get you and you're not on their side, they'll just put you to work. What um, is the Bear Clan's thoughts on Free Citadel? I think they're pro because I don't think they're like I don't think they're are they like giants. privately pro because they don't want to like piss off their giant descended kin. Oh, that's a good question. I so in the document, it's not really always clear what relationship the half giants have to the giants. Um, I've thought of it more like the half giants see themselves as fully part of the clan and see the giants as the bad guys. But that might, I don't think that society is probably really homogenous. I think there are probably mixed, yeah. mixed views. Cause where, you know, how they made their way to the bear clan or whether they were raised there or whatever, that could definitely change a ton of their yeah. demeanor towards the giants for sure. I, I can imagine all that would be very dynamic, but I, totally. as, to, as to Finn's question, actually about free Citadel that uh, to, I think that, Bear Clan, you know, respects strength, and it took serious strength and and like confidence and like real determination to take down the leaders, uh, you know, the the stone giants of Free Citadel. So I think they'd respect the like kind of actions of Free Citadel, even if they didn't do it very publicly, like you're saying. Like <laughs> they definitely would would be like, oh, okay, they they deserved to take that place because they yeah. were strong enough to do it. I think the mainstream of any mortal clan is Free Citadel, where mortals arose and slew giants and took the place for their own. That's a good thing. We want more of that. So I think it would be more like if there was dissent against Free Citadel, that would be something that was like whispered about um, when people weren't looking. But I think that could very well be an undercurrent of sentiment, especially among some of the half giants of the Bear Clan, and it would be something really interesting to explore. Yeah, definitely. I like that a lot. Yeah, um, yeah the, the half-giant element does, like, ink, sort of present a lot of possibility for pretty interesting hooks. If you are playing a campaign where there is sort of your your main villain and it is going to be the Stone Empire, and it's not just a... They're not just... They're less a setting piece and more an active... Uh, a more, more an active element uh, you know, the idea that there could be spies and traitors and informants among the sort of the half giant populations in the uh, in the bear clan. Yeah, that's exactly right. Which is cool because I feel like in a lot of D and D, if you're playing a Goliath, it's like I'm a Goliath, and I don't know my clan's I don't know somewhere out in the mountains. Don't worry about it. I I'm in, I'm in Waterdeep, yay! And I feel like here it's like, oh, you're a half giant. Like that that carries some baggage. That means a lot, um, which I think is neat. Uh, so yeah, if you really want to make a Bear Clan member angry, the epithet that they hate most of all is being called little giants. So don't call them that, or <laughs> they will break you. I will make sure to call. Them that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure don't. that term is thrown around a lot during the Summer War. Mm hmm Yeah, that feels right. Um, all right, just running through some more stuff. Uh, why don't I talk about the leaders of the Bear Clan? Um, and uh, so there's three. Uh, for each clan, we sort of call out three uh, important leaders. So um, first is their chieftain, which is Morlord 
Ulko Barmazantor. Um, so he's just this huge, massive man. Uh, he's, he is, uh, if you watch um, How to Train Your Dragon, the dad in that is kind of the mental image I have for this. It's just like this <laughs> power of a man. Um, Morlord is not a traditional Bear Clan title. That's what he's called because he always yells more when he's lifting weights or facing enemies or sitting at table. Um, he's a big family man, and his wife Tula is his closest counselor. Uh, and uh, it says that he loves his many children with a ferocity that can be crushing. So he is uh, all about excess and sort of represents all that the Bear Clan stands for. Classic. <laughs> Um, next is the shaman or the high shaman, I should say, because with a clan this size, there's going to be a lot of lesser shamans. Um, but the high shaman is chosen Lakael, high shaman of unkillable Urhosh. Um, so she's a human and she's ancient and tiny. Um, she's got white braided hair and she's usually sort of silent and she just leads with gestures and glances. Um, but she's like in on the joke uh, as Bear Clan's like big emphasis on laughter and joy and, you know, feasting and all this. So she's um, she's very, very alert and intent and sort of uh, directs through just like a nod or a small gesture. Um, and she actually hibernates with Urhosh at the start of each winter. So um, there is a very cool piece of lore that's going to be in the book uh, because Randelm, uh Shout out to Random and the Bear Clan wrote uh, a piece for the Festival of Festivals about how each year the Bear Clan chooses a shaman to go south for the winter. Lachael sleeps through the winter. Um, Urhosh preserves her life. And then when they come back, they wake her and the god with this big feast at the entrance to her to his cave. Um, and the last of the three is Feastmaker Duma Mook, who is a half giant. Uh, and he's almost as wide as he is tall, which is saying something. And he is sort of uh, this um, big, powerful cook. And he travels all throughout the clan's territory, seeking rare flavors and um, uh, and sort of gathering up all the the possible uh, ingredients for a feast. And he's in charge of sort of like all of the feasts, all of the bees, all of the plenty of the clan. Um, and is also a champion bear wrestler. So uh, involve Dumamook in your campaigns. He's awesome. I think it really tells you all you need to know about the Bear Clan to know that like, basically the head chef is one of the uh, most respected <laughs> positions in the clan. Top, top yeah, three. Exactly. <laughs> like, literally top three. Oh yep. my god. Like the, the idea of uh, like a chef being that. And also just the fact that like I can totally, like so many ideas in my head for like PCs or something. Who would be like, no, I want to be like the head chef eventually or something, right? Yeah, they're, exactly. So they'll like go around like trying position. to get favor from him by like, you know, finding extra good spices or something. Like, ah, oh, that's such a such a fun concept for me for some that's reason. So good. It's so I I appreciate Dumamook uh from the perspective that like he's not necessarily a comedic relief character because I feel like that sort of misses the mark because like it is you know he is in charge of one of the things that is uh you know culturally respected it like in the you know in the bear clan but uh just he's he is a great example of like 
uh, characters that sort of bring a bit of lightheartedness to a world that is otherwise very, very like grim and raw and gritty yeah. and like survival yeah. focused. Um, and there, there is real, there is something like just really like whimsical and just nice about the fact that he's like you know an artist of salts and spices, flavors and fires, and he, uh, you know, reading his. Uh, reading his paragraph right here, uh, summoning startlingly delicious meals from even meager ingredients in the depths of winter. Um, he's just this, like, you know, ray of sunshine uh, in this world that is otherwise, like, out to get you. Absolutely. And I, and I feel like it's a it's a nice way. It's important to include things like that so you can strike the balance because there there is such a thing as as too much, too much gritty, too much... Uh, too much raw so yeah exactly um just i'm gonna move kind of quickly through the rest because i know we got to get to our break um so just really quick ideals of the clan include strength and joy um uh let's see there's this idea that the if the uh if you hold a feast outside of the cave of urhosh um he may bless you and sort of make you unkillable for the rest of the day. There aren't mechanics attached to that, so there's some <laughs> DM decision of how how effective that is. There might be some religion checks involved there. You could um, just be like, sorry, he's not feeling very generous. Yeah, he's not feeling it. Yeah, this is insufficient. Yeah, do you have some performance checks to cook or medicine checks? What do you what checks do you guys use for cooking? It's a good question. Constitution checks. Constitution checks with your cooking? checks what? with your Let's talk about this. <laughs> Let's talk about this more uh, in the mechanics part. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there, there are people who criticize them are just like, man, they're just like boastful, thick-headed gluttons. Uh, they're sort of like uh, just live on the surface and just laugh at nothing. Uh, and then there's the whole thing about forced labor. Um, we've actually talked about less a lot of this. Uh, they tend to use abjuration magic and healing spells as sort of their go-to uh, magic. Uh, they use a lot of clubs and mauls and sort of uh, heavy weapons and stone armor. So if you're going to use so heavy weapons, heavy armor is sort of the bear clan vibe. Um, and last, just two other locations that we haven't talked about. Um, these are by no means all of the locations. We already talked about the Fortress of Bees. There's also the hollow, hollow camp of Urhosh, which is basically like the camp closest to Urhosh's cave, which is uh, tons of cooking fires and beehive-shaped huts. Um, and it's, uh, it's walled, so it's really def well defended. Um, and then the other is Daystar Rise, which is this sort of high cliff with a shelf that overlooks this big watering hole. And it's a sort of a special place that you can climb up to and sort of see all of the local dinosaurs, animals, whatever, gather. And, uh, you know, it's a place that uh, young members of the clan like to go for rendezvous and is just sort of an awesome place to behold the prehistoric world and sort of all its natural glory. And that is all we've written about the bear clan. <laughs> And there, yeah, there will be more, of course, because we got to add in the uh, the festival that was written about before. But, um, but yeah, absolutely, probably the big main thing that needs to be headed. But hopefully, we'll be able to flesh out more of that uh, tonight. But before we do, 
Uh, we're going to move to our uh, quick break from this topic for a moment to talk about, uh, well, this is our session called Unexplored Lore. This is the part of the show where we look at new and iconic monsters or items or spells or through the lens of Plangea and see how they might play out uh, in this primordial world. Um, so this week, we're going to talk about the Owlbear, which is wonderfully thematic with, with our topic this week as well with some of the clans. The Owlbear is, uh, I feel like, one of the... Uh, lower CR, but very like commonly encountered and just kind of fun-looking uh, monsters in in D and D. It's it feels like every once in a while everyone wants a pet owl bear or a uh, oh, yeah. or be able to ride one or something. You know, everyone's asking for that as a uh, as a player at some point. But uh, yeah, well, what do we think about how the owl bear fits into into Plangea? How Do we think that the bear clan has them? I mean, I'm sure they do. They can't not have some owl bears with them. I, I can't. I can't stand owl bears. Oh my god! Why? Of course, you're It doesn't make any sense. I love owl bears. How, how can you be negative about owl owl bears? I, I, just, I just don't get it. <laughs> like, don't, also, they don't worry about it. They just have beaks. What is the point? <laughs> it's awesome. I feel like also, I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> Adam, I think you just said aloe bears, and I also think we need aloe bears we need aloe as bears. well. It's true. How? how what? Yep. I, it's I'm like not a even sure how bear. That, if you kill them, they bleed out a with nice a lot of healing, healing sap. Yeah, yeah. Roll around. It's more sense than a bear with an owl head. What? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. We just went really far off from there. I'm, I'm really we... sorry about that. No, it's <laughs> really fun, fun. I just want to talk about aloe bears now. Forget okay. aloe bears. No, no, yeah, no, no, well, no, no, no. if we don't have aloe bad. bears, how no, would please. aloe bears fit in? No, please. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, Not really. Dan, Dan, no. Dan yes, tell us how you use aloe bears. How would I use aloe bears? That's a that's a good question. I don't use monsters with CR that low. Um, <laughs> he's not wrong. Think, he's not wrong. I think um, I don't know. They'd probably be seen as sort of. They'd probably be the a sign of wisdom, maybe like wisdom and um, and sort of knowledge are uh, seen as omens of those things by members of the bear clan. Um, in a way that regular owls wouldn't be, because I think I think basically owl bears are the bear clan's version of how how other societies uh view what the owl like represents as far as oh, okay uh, traits and like or, traits and uh virtues and whatnot or even no. like ravens or something something like yeah that, yeah you know sure I mean? That's sort yeah. of like oh it's an omen of like something to come but also it's like is this so it's an intelligent creature like ooh, actually it's a, intelligence wise but yeah from a I, standpoint oh go on i have an entirely contrary take that uh <laughs> invokes the dark magic that we all promise not to invoke this episode um, which no, is feels like no, a something the recusants made. Yes, Shut him up! Early experiments in like manufacturing gods that <laughs> just like, didn't work. I, I do make I do. gods, but they just propagated like they just got out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It escaped the lab, and it's just like breeding like rabbits way too fast. And <laughs> like at least out that makes now. more sense than those things naturally evolving. Okay, yeah. owlbears right. are so, really First off, you're both right. Uh, I think. I think that 
Both of these make sense. The thing I want to say is like, there's a big, uh, I, I really, we want to lean into sort of that Mesozoic weirdness in Plangea. And there's actually a, a big old section in the monster section about monster templates and mixing up monsters, like adding wings or tentacles or elemental powers or whatever to your monsters. And the idea is like, take any given monster, like take an owl bear and give it spines and make it twice as big and maybe make it undead and just like mix up your monsters and spin well, the wheel on that. That's so, cheating, David. You can make anything undead. <laughs> that's true. Uh, well, actually, one of the things that I was leading up to this, I was thinking about owl bears, and I was thinking about like the dire versions of monsters that uh, that you know we put together for uh, Tales from the Dire Grazelands, and I'm thinking like what a like what a dire owl bear like they sort of have the wet the feathers on their upper on their like front two they arms, but they'd be able to fly with their with yeah. their arm feathers. Absolutely. absolutely, it doesn't this make any curious. sense, it but I just, I love the idea of just a flying bear. This is like yep. a boring take, but I feel like I, I, I kind of like the all the dire creatures. And I know you made the dire bullet, which the, you're going to be like, you, what you say about my dire bullet. Um, I like the idea that the most, the majority of the dire beasts are just otherwise mundane beasts, but just really big. Really? Thunk, like no, it I, makes I them totally... simultaneously relatable and alien. Yeah. It's not like, oh, this is like clearly a weird ass monster. It's like, it's a cat. It's just like thirty feet it's a tall. Real yeah. big cat. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think that's sort of the, uh, and I think there is, yeah. No, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna thump you for that but because that is D &D, that was exactly my intent. Is a normal animal though. That was exactly I mean, it's, but, it's not really. <laughs> that was that was exactly my intent when I when we went around uh, like making those things, which is like yeah. the familiar but like weirdness through. I'm not used to seeing that thing that big in the wild. How that happen? Yeah. Um, Fair. And then realizing it, its danger grows in proportion to its size, and you know, that's where the fun begins. But uh, yeah, yeah, Dan, to be honest, I'm a little disappointed you chose the Diabulet when there's also the um, swarm of giant poisonous snakes. Okay, well that is specific <laughs> to the to the big legendary monster they find later. What about giant a, fire ants? I just love oh, there, there a, giant, giant fire a swarm of giant poisonous snakes. <laughs> when David read that. Band. Can we all start a band called a Swarm of Giant Poisonous Snakes? <laughs> David, your reaction when you first read that was hilarious. To My reaction like, hasn't changed. It fills me with me? joy. It's just, look, it's it's like a swarm of, po it's like a swarm of poisonous snakes, except that it's but just a swarm of much giant bigger. poisonous snakes. Yeah, I mean, adding insult to injury. Because much like Texas, in the dire grays lands, everything is bigger, Everything's including bigger. the snakes. So dire I feel like the owl back, bear. Wait, <laughs> Ava, getting go. back to the owl bear. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like what we're talking about with making it bigger is obviously one way to do it. But um, the owl bear is such a staple of like quote unquote normal D and D. Classic. Um, so I think instead of kind of deciding how it fits into Plangea, I think we can kind of think about how we sh how we change and shift the owl bear yes. into something other oh. that fits in Plangea. Definitely like, like wings or <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Struck a nerve. <laughs> Wings that it like eventually doesn't need to become vestigial or something, like you're saying, See, right? right? I feel like, like I feel like I'm totally putting picking up what you're putting down. Like if I was running, actually, spoiler for future sessions I might run, but I can totally imagine like you see an owl bear and everyone's like, oh yeah, okay, here we go, owl bear encounter. We've all had that, and then it like you know in uh, Plangea when the uh, frill the the spitter. Opens you up said, a oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You mean Jurassic Park? Yeah. Jurassic Park. Remember that part in Plain Gia where we made this monster? When we made this monster in Jurassic Park, the what's the monster with the frill? It's the Dilo. <laughs> the Dilophosaurus. That guy. Yeah. Dilophosaurus. So just imagine this, you know, owl bear comes up there all like, oh yeah, here we go. We all know this is. And then it just opens up this enormous frill, starts rattling and hissing. Like that's how I would want to run an <laughs> owl bear. Maybe the owl bear. Maybe the owl bear is convergent evolution from a creature that we would have once actually called the bear owl. Oh yeah, oh, that's gosh. just like no, that's that just mean? my chaos it's, monkey. No, it's uh, like a take. huge owl that like so, has huge like bear fangs yeah. or something. So, mm -hmm, exactly. So mm -hmm. if the owl bear is the yeah, body wait, of a bear would, and head of an on. owl, then the bear owl is the body of an owl and the head of a bear. <laughs> hold on, Easy. Wait, no. Oh. Havoc, slow yes. down there. Did anybody Did catch what Ava said there? Did anyone hear no. what she said? No. I mean, she said a actually, giant owl no. with the fangs <laughs> of a bear. You realize you realize what owls have for mouths, right? <laughs> yes. Fangs, <laughs> obviously. Oh, fangs. Okay. All right. beaks she knows my mistake. My mistake. Pretty Sorry. Sure. About that. <laughs> Wait. Like, what? Beaks aren't fangs. I'm okay. Huh, I'm that's no, bears yeah. don't have fangs. He's making fun of me. It's okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the joke is. Okay. There we go. We had okay, to explain yeah, please, it out. A please go times. for it. We figured it out. <laughs> uh, man, can we? Are we done the segment, or should we talk about Alabama? Some like fantastic, oh, I, yeah, I manic energy. Let's let's move on and carry it into the I next. I keep segment. talking about Alabama. If oh, Dan no. has something else to say about Alabama, then he can of course say it. I mean, I, I don't. I just. Oh, oh, no, you were just really, late. No. Jesus. Okay, then let's definitely <laughs> let's definitely keep some of this energy as we move back into talking about the Bear Clan. Talking about the Bear Clan and potentially other clans. We'll see if again if we make it to them. Probably won't this episode, but that's nope. okay. Yep, that's fine. <laughs> I think we're in Bear Clan land. Oh, we want to talk more about how uh, you can use the Bear Clan and the Brothers Clans in general uh, in game, uh, in your games as a as a DM. Uh, how you'd set them up, how you'd have them uh, in relation to your players, but also as a as a player, how you might want to relate to them as a player, like wh where you want to set, uh, how you feel about some of them, whether you want to have a background in one of them, whether you want uh, to eventually join one of them. That's a potential option as well. Uh, Yes, we can talk about those opportunities here, basically, in this section. Yeah, so how would you all use the Barrack Plan in your campaign? Hmm. From a... This, is, this might sound silly, but <laughs> I think as far as social encounters go, interacting with the Bear Clan would probably be this, like, this weird opportunity for like the Barbarian and the other, like, strength focused <laughs> classes with like just trash dumpster charisma to actually like stand a chance at being the face not necessarily yeah. replace the face of the party uh... but like when you can like do your talking with your muscles you know it's this like sort of 
all, know, it's like, yeah, make a, it's, make a it's rule about using other stats. Yeah, exactly. For the make a, make a strength, strength persuasion, persuasion check. check. Exactly. Strength performance check. We're here to talk. We're here to talk mechanics. Can one of yeah. you simply explain how that works to me? Because I know about that theoretically, but I still don't understand as a DM how to do that. So every step, every check, every skill has a suggested most of the time associated with its stat, but your proficiency yeah. in a stat isn't actually um, saying like you add your proficiency bonus to charisma performance checks. It's just you add your proficiency bonus to performance checks. It's like uh, how thieves tools are typically dex, che dex checks where you add your dex and if you have thieves tools, you add uh, your proficiency there and rogues can get expertise in that. But there's nothing to to say that, um, or it's actually it's not not so much encouraged because most of the times most of the time a charisma persuasion check is interchangeable with a persuasion check. But you as a DM are free to say make a strength check with your uh, adding your proficiency bonus if you're proficient in persuasion. Like you can add. Oh. So if you have twenty charisma, if you have twelve charisma, but twenty uh, strength. And you happen to have proficiency in uh, performance or persuasion, and you're talking to a bear clan member, uh, you could add five plus your proficiency rather than one plus. It doesn't come up all the time. That's really and like everybody who reads, a lot of people will read and be like, oh, I can't wait to use this all the time. And then you realize <laughs> that they're suggested for a reason uh, because yeah, like they kind of yeah. line up most of the time. Except except intimidation, and everybody's mad that barbarians have to use. Is it berserkers sure. or all barbarians have to use? Uh, I don't remember what, but they have that intimidation feature. But charisma is a dump stat for barbarians, and then yeah. it's like, wow, I can try to scare you not with my massive muscles, but with my wit. <laughs> that rule does does end up working for other skills, I think, slightly better. Like certain things, like medicine or something, or survival or nature, yeah, are ones definitely. that are kind of interchangeable between intelligence and wisdom. Sometimes, so it's like uh, I, I, think, I I almost I disagree with that for medicine. Well, well, it's yeah. So you can do your your strength score, and then if you yeah, okay, I got it. So like basically, you could use your strength to persuade someone. That's yeah. cool. I like that. And it, yeah, it's but, a way of flavoring it as well, basically. Is, yeah, is, is that's cool. That. Yeah. The two that I've seen in personal use are a uh, a strength stealth check uh, to quietly lift something, what? and the other oh, one was a strength oh, medicine that. that's check great. to set a bone. Ooh, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, like really, like, like some feel that. gets gnarly. Um, okay, all right, um, yeah. <laughs> so let's. That is, thank you for explaining how to play Dungeons and Dragons to me. I truly did not <laughs> it's know a that. Rule. That's great. It's a variant rule. You're um, I so think it's a variant let's rule. This, let's break this latter part into two sections. One, for DMs who want to use uh, the Bear Clan, what are ways to think about it? And then two, for players who are interested in like interacting with the Bear Clan, uh, either for their sort of character creation or character arc, how should we do that? So starting with, with DMs, I'm going to throw out there an obvious way is uh, as a patron, as a party patron. You know, oh, yeah. if you want to set up an easy, hey, go kill this monster, hey, go delve that dungeon, make your uh, party one of the brother clans, uh, you know, make them all in the same clan, or make them have different origins, but like the bear clan wants them to do this. And as long as the campaign lasts, unless, you know, the world ends, 
the bear clan isn't really going anywhere so that's it's just a very stable patron that you could have and you've done a great job of setting up things that the bear clan likes and needs like uh stuff for their feasts they might need some special uh you know maybe they need need you to go on a hunt to get a special animal to cook for their meat or their feast or maybe they need a specific spice maybe maybe you're doing a, a quest for feast master doom doom uh, doom i forget how to <laughs> try i don't know I'm doing my best but um yeah like maybe maybe you're just doing a fetch quest for them you know what i mean like they they yeah. might need some uh more honey for their beet wait they have beehives yeah. honey for them. whatever you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. you can make flavored honey with interesting flowers Ooh, that's yeah. like a fantastic plot hook anything from we want like a neat a neat fruit to make flavored honey to like we want a magical flower to make yeah. magical honey and like 100 yeah. percent something oh, yeah. you can steal it's such a fun yeah. idea classic dude well i kind of glossed over this before but the the clan's overall goal has um their ultimate thing they confront be a beast soul or elemental force ever be able, able to overpower them so the clan's agenda in general is like get stronger so they could totally be hey go get that you know magic armor hey go you know beat up that monster and bring back its parts um you know hey go get a spell that's going to make us stronger so yeah lots any kind of like commissioning or fetch quest yeah, um, in the spirit of like feasts or strength, um, is totally in line. They're kind of one of the more ambitious clans in that nature, then, and they'd want more things to make themselves more powerful. And so, if you really liked them and wanted them to become more powerful, they could be, like you're saying, this patron that grows alongside the party in a way that like becomes more powerful, yeah. potentially upsets the power balance or something uh, between the other two brother clans. But then they might react, or you know, there could be some interesting politics within that of the brother clan. It's part of their nature to become stronger. And so by that nature, if you're helping them become even stronger than they would normally, it could be, you know, have some interesting implications for, for the game later on. I like that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Domino effect. It's also closely related to that. I think uh, it can be a player faction as well. So not quite the party's patron, um, but sort of one of several uh, conflicting interests. So, you know, you can have it as a political force in the same way that, again, you would use, you know, a kingdom or a guild in uh, medieval fantasy. You could sort of have like, well, the Bear Clan wants this. Do we want to give it to them? Do we not? We know what's their agenda? How much do we trust them? Um, all that sort of political stuff uh, any of the Brother Clans is great for, especially if you play up their sort of moral grayness and make it clear that oh yeah they're big feasting cavemen and also they force their captives into forced labor and uh you know how do we feel and they have half giants and maybe some like uh proclivities towards um you know allegiance to the stone empire how much do we want to empower these guys all that stuff can it can be really good fodder for a campaign yeah totally agree I like that idea too, like you're saying about the there being the, all these competing interests. I just like the the idea of like there being all these competing interests, and Bear Clans are very straightforward about what they want. Like yeah. they're not like trying to do any like subterfuge. You know, they're not necessarily like lying about things a lot. They're they're being loud and obvious about things all the time yes. because they yeah, want exactly. To know what they're doing almost to show off about it. Yeah, I think that's fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I also think that as a DM, 
choosing the time of year is really interesting um, for any of these clans because how the bear clan behaves in the summer is going to be very different. You know, spring when they're just arriving, fall when they're packing up, and then winter when they're just trying to survive and kind of trying to hold their clan culture together even while needing to cooperate with people who they normally don't trust. Um, So I think it's really interesting to set a campaign sort of around the turn of a season or to think about time passing in world as, um, you know, as this cycle that does sort of alter the fundamental way in which these clans interact with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you'd also think that like, if you have the brothers, if you have the bear clan as a patron, um, they might be less kind of um, exclusive about who you work for because they're like, well, as long as you're providing your strength to us, you can provide your strength to other people. Whereas, uh-huh. you know, the Asian line might be more overseeing. Um, but it also means that during the winter time, uh, when they're you know trying to survive in the winter south, who do you even really work for anymore? Because it's kind of I obviously it's not a total amalgamation, but since they all have to work together, do you still maintain your allegiance to the? their clan or is it to all of the brothers yeah i almost feel like um i i feel like anybody who is going to be like you could you can be playing as incidentally a bear clan member but if it's like part of your identity i figure if anything you're going to be kind of evangelizing a bit and not just kind of like yo we have the most fun we've got the magic honey uh what are you like are you a weakling come join the bear clan and just like bring home a bunch of yoked people at the end of the winter. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, let's move into let's move into how players should use it because I think it's a great transition. Just the last thing I'll say on DM topic is Bear Clan makes a great threat. You know, the Bear Clan is like these big, loud, violent, sort of gluttonous people. You know, they're basically half giants. They like will take you captive and force you into labor. They got this fortress of bees. It's very easy to turn them into the bad guys. Um, if you want to sort of do a campaign from another clan's perspective or from a smaller clan's perspective who sort of live in the shadow of them, um, which I think is equally equally interesting and equally valid based on the lore. But let's jump over to the to how players use it. So, um, Finn, I thought that was a great point. Like, if you're a bear clan, playing as a bear clan member, how's that going to influence your, your play style, sort of how you think about your character? I think talking about like, yeah, let's gather this strength into the clan is, is one great thing. And what else comes to mind for you all? Um, I think that the clan definitely uh, gives some uh, suggested like uh, character traits and flaws. Like maybe you don't back down from a challenge, even if it's uh, probably a bit over a, a bit above your pay grade. Um, no pay grades in plan G, we don't have money. Um, <laughs> But stuff like that, where you're just very boisterous and uh, I, I sh- it's it's like a like Ur- he's Urhosh the unkillable. He's literally unkillable. So he is every sorry, I, but like he's no, no, literally unkillable, right. Right. Yeah. which is every teenager. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yeah. it's it's yeah. just a stereotypical teenager. Like yeah, I know that's a bad idea, but like not when I do it. It's also That's just, just like the really, bear clan. It's really optimistic in a way, though. Too is the way I look at it. Is like oh, for sure, but like not <laughs> safe. No, totally. Like, right. I, so I, I don't want to 
referenced too much media recently, but I recently watched through the entire series Invincible, and every single time recently, people hear he means his name, watched the entire I, series last night. Been the entire series literally last night. Anyway, so uh, the, the, every time they hear his name, his superhero name is Invincible. They're always like, "Well, really? Like that's a little that's a little cocky. That's a little uh, optimistic of you." And that's the same thing I think of when I hear Urhash the Unkillable. It's like, oh, I mean, I don't know. That's just naming yourself that is pretty ambitious, right? Just in the first place. So that's a whole yeah. thing. Like, I don't know. I think from a yeah. threat perspective, the the Bear Clan is probably because of that, the you know, as as Finn said earlier, it's like, yeah, this isn't a good idea for you, maybe, but it's a great idea when I do it because I'm me. Um, that sort of is a very uh, that's. I don't know. That's pretty hypocritical. I feel, I feel like, like the Bear Clan is probably full of hypocrites. Um, I, f- I feel like that almost kind of reduces their uh, their danger as a threat because they are not going to like plan something out because that would be like admitting weakness. So right. they're definitely going to take some losses that could have been overcome with better tactics because like they don't need tactics. They're the best. Right. Totally. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's. it's I mean, the standard bear. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, I was just I was thinking that it'd be it'd be really interesting to see that played out as both a player who's from the Bear Clan and grew up surrounded by that culture and people fighting against the Bear Clan and watching these watching these people uh that are like, you know, they're getting like they're getting like destroyed and they're like, We're not losing. It's like, what are you talking about? Like you're getting decimated. It's like, no, no, we're not. Yeah. Uh so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think, and the Bear Clan, I would say, of anyone, their culture would make them think like they are the best mortal. Like they are on top of the food chain. Um, you know, in a way that I don't think the Ape Clan, the Ape Clan is very self aware. The Lion Clan is sort of contemplative. I think the Bear Clan, as far as they know, they are they are the top of the pyramid um, of mortals. Isn't that, so I isn't think that, that true kind of, of all swagger, brothers, though? I don't feel I feel like the ape clan lives in fear and I feel like the lion clan is sort of like very stoic about everything. I feel like a, they would have but don't at least they like have a their category. own superiority. Don't they have their yeah, own superiority? For sure. Like maybe the ape for clan sure. lives in fear, but they think that everybody else is an idiot for not living in the same fear. That's true. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Like I think know. that maybe what I mean is the bear clan would be unselfconscious about its arrogance. Whereas the ape clan would at least have a category for like, oh yeah, those bear clan people think they're the best. The bear clan, I think, thinks they're the best and thinks everybody else thinks they're the best. <laughs> the ape clans are still are still crazy. They just have psychologists, so they know that they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I, I just wanted to mention there is a bear clan background for players. So oh, yeah. if you want to just like have that be your background, that is going to be in the book when it comes out. Uh, a, a thought I had about a bear clan PC was the idea that they would totally be the guy to like convince like the party or like another person in there to like go work out with him every morning, like oh 100%. To, to just be that obnoxious like no you're gonna go for a five mile run okay or uh, obviously not, <laughs> no, they don't have you guys haven't met him but Dan's older brother is yeah that, he's exactly that person so that's why I'm thinking okay wait uh, that's the exact type of person who would be a bear clan yeah. Like, you know that those types right. of people, like they exist. So that's that's, that's who would amazing. be in there. Just, just built different, built like a <laughs> <Yeah>. bear, <laughs> built different. I think the last thing I mentioned, uh, I don't I'm like 
hopefully we're going, but I don't know if we're heading towards wrapping up. But the last thing I would mention is for a player, just knowing some of those details, like how the bear clan dresses or like, oh, they like heavy armor and heavy stuff. And like, oh, they have this relationship with bears and um, oh, they like are used to eating well. Those kind of details can really cement sort of like how you how your character sees the world give you a feel for like you know the other five for the five senses um in the world so just enjoying sort of the the amount of detail that's there about the culture can be a great way of hooking into you know the corner of the world that you want your point of view to represent yeah and also considering like where in the bear clan you were like standing wise um can kind of help cement your character like were you part of the hallow camp constantly preparing food and like lived the kind of the life or were you on the outskirts and you were always kind of like fending off people from the dire graze lands and you know i mean there's there could be a level of even dissatisfaction yeah with plan and how they dealt with like external issues because they're like whoa well we're the best and you know what puny beasts could possibly rate us then oh, 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 oh there goes like 20 <laughs> yeah yeah that's exactly right the ideas that i had for as far as being a player character goes is there there is something to be said about you know um growing up in the bear clan culture whether or not you're sort of the paragon of that culture and you are the embodiment of it and it shaped you according to its norms or are you so you know like strong boisterous uh like life of the party um and and that's fantastic and like having that atmosphere and being surrounded by that atmosphere all the time and then like going out into your adventuring life and like being like wait a minute people everywhere aren't like this and like sort of figuring out that uh life isn't always life isn't always like the contest of of strength and then the party afterwards um but what's also interesting to me is being someone who grows up surrounded by that culture who is like the antithesis of those ideas where yeah. you know you're someone who's like you you know you know all all adventurers are exceptional in some way but the way that you're exceptional just just so happens to not be the fact that you're uh, strong or athletic or uh, or you're you're very durable and you have your your you know your hearty constitution um you know so it's like how did you how did you carve a place out for yourself in the bear clan when you weren't these things or did you and if you didn't maybe that's the reason that you're you know maybe that's the reason you you were from the bear clan but you're not necessarily uh, keeping ties with them any longer yeah and that'd be a great, yeah, great um like if you're part of the bear clan um that's like that kind of character would be great to meet um just to kind of give you perspective on the bear clan or they could be a villain or they could be a hero you never know like depending on what kind of um campaign you're running and what how what relationship you have to the bear clan that kind of person who has been effectively probably out Outsted out I don't know um by you were bear clan outsted by bear clan society um I mean bear clan I think is one of the most rigid in its kind of thinking of how a person should be um I almost feel like they'd be like sort of forgiving 
Really? As long as you're strong. Well, I mean, I, I, and and maybe you could be like, nah, maybe David's going to be like, nope, definitely not. But I feel like, like a lot of people, even who are outwardly uh, confident, can have issues with self-doubt, imposter syndrome. It exists even before we had written history. And I almost feel like uh, kind of like embracing people and coaching them into courage and boisterousness would be a way to like almost make amends with your own fraudulent confidence or imposter Mm -hmm. syndrome. Like if you're, you know, obviously there would be people who are super hypocritical and would strike down those who expressed any sort of fear. But I feel like um, in a clan all about like being boisterous and confident, they'd almost want to like just just stomping out anybody who is not uh, super uh, sure of themselves isn't like, I don't know how effective that would be. I feel like they'd, they'd rather cultivate this like boisterousness and maybe like, obviously if someone's like just that. like keeps going against it, but the first two times they're going to, and maybe not in like a, let's talk that, da- let's sit down and talk about your feelings way. But if someone like blows it, they're going to like keep sending you back into it and giving you chances. Cause they're like, come on, you just got, you just got to get it. You just got to get it. Come on, you'll get it. Yeah, I feel like that's the difference between that's where there's room for characters, right? Yeah, you can have two different gym coaches and one is a bully and one is like a coach and having completely different approaches and both are focused on strength and sort of athleticism. I will say that I really don't think that um I think that the Lion Clan is all about stoicism and like not showing weakness. Um mm-hmm. I don't think the Bear Clans have a problem with like expressing hey this is freaking me out or i'm scared or whatever it's it's a lot more like hearts on your sleeve and then you charge in anyway um i'm freaking I think out it would be more like yeah i guess that's exactly. kind of what i was trying to say exactly. like they they're much more yeah like e- even if people aren't willing to charge in right away i feel like they'll just keep they'll, they'll keep dragging you along you want to have a choice yeah in <laughs> they won't just like be like well just cut them loose they'll be like like you're coming with us whether you like it or not um so not like a wholesome forgiveness of cowardice but more like a you're gonna do this just like get it out you're gonna come up like you're gonna die you're gonna do it you're gonna die trying but like we're not like we're getting through it you're not we're not just like leaving you behind because you're scared we're dragging you along maybe you're gonna be in the front (laughs) okay well you're probably gonna be in the front no go ahead (laughs) i'd also like to add um just just a quick note which is that i think the bear clan has oh god i i uh, saying this is it's a pun it's a pun really but it has um it has connection to queer culture in that the the term bear is a literal (laughs) term um i just i had to bring it up um and so i think every bear clan member is a beefy gay man Exactly. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the kind of the point I was making. But also, like, if you're strong, who gives if who gives whatever? Like, yeah. <laughs> if you are strong in the bear clan, it's like who cares what you're doing? Well, they probably strong. be boisterous about their like exploits and oh, everything. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? Like about every part of their lives. So I don't think they'd be shy about sharing things like that. They would. Yeah, yeah they would just be sharing I just, everything. I just so had that's to... fair. Input um, the little the little part. No, that was great. 
That's wonderful. Thank you for that. Wonderful. Well, uh, actually, with that, I do want to direct us towards uh, uh, closing out the show here. But we did have a couple uh, audience questions, I think, from some people. So I will uh, invite, I think it was, uh, we had Silverblade who was going to come in and potentially have a question for us. So join us, please. Yeah, Silverblade, what, what do you got for us? Uh, hello, first, can you hear me? We can. You're yeah, great. Yeah, great. That's great. Okay, so you talked at the beginning about conflicts between the three clans, but what about conflicts within the clans? What are some major oh. tensions or schisms you can think of within the bear clan? Oh, that is a, oh, that that's is a so great fun. question. Oh, I think I what that. I was just... I feel like what I was just saying, uh, we were just talking about that. I that I kind of started talking about with that whole forgiveness of uh, or, or uh, p potential forgiveness of uh, cowardice would definitely be a source within the Bear Clan because there certainly would be zealots who would be like, if you're not ready to charge out in battle, like we've got like we don't have anything to do with you, just like throw to the wolves, like you're no better than like this is the clan that does forced labor, um, if that is you know appropriate for your table. Um, I could 100% see there being more militant uh, factions of the Bear Clan who would take quote-unquote rightfully born Bear Clan members who weren't charging at the battle and being like, all right, dude, we're putting you to work. Like, yeah. we're, 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 we're forcing you to work because that's you're not, a, you're not really Bear Clan. And, yeah, uh, I, I think, think that's that exactly right. The hostility between people who are like, oh, come on, like, you just gotta, you just gotta bring it out of them. Um, and people who are like, you... Like, it's the like. There's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it, and you're either a bear or you're not. Um, I think those all uh, those all obviously um, yeah. butt heads. And uh, Urhosh uh, himself's uh, thoughts on that are probably going to be like whoever is stronger uh, and gets the most uh, fealty to me is really what matters. Because you know the the gods have their what they care about, but you know they're really ultimately just gathering power so there will definitely be times where um there'll be that infighting and Urhosh will sit back and be like i'm gonna sit this one out i'm gonna see who comes yeah. out on top you That's know history's cool. written by the victors type of thing yeah i love that um this is such a great question i think also the the tension that we have sort of explored a little bit on this about the relationship between the bear clan and the stone giants or the stone empire and like maybe there's some who are really pretty sympathetic and would kind of think you know an alliance here wouldn't be the worst thing versus others who are like you know our we are the closest thing mortals have to a chance to take these down we're right next to free citadel like why don't we just team up with them so there could be some really deep underlying tensions about all of that that could be very cool to explore for what it's worth i think that any intelligent bear clan member looking for an alliance with the uh, Stone Giants is um, is like an antelope voting for the leopard eating faces party and being surprised <laughs> when the leopards eat their face. Like true. Yeah. As the soon as you're not face. bringing the giant, like as soon as you're not bringing more slave labor to the giants, they're gonna be like, "You'll do." <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't say it was a good idea, <laughs> but I think also it could be a faction. I think also. Oh, you know, this is the joy of having lots of little camps within the clan and having a real emphasis on sort of strength and bravado is I could totally see camp on camp uh, sort of like um, conflicts. You know, it would not take much for 
a strong sort of camp leader to decide that that camp over there was the problem and we need to go uh you know grind them into the dirt to show them who's boss um and that is the sort of thing that you know that's the kind of violence that quickly rages out of control absolutely well that was a great question thank you so much silverblade for for providing that to us um i don't know if there were more questions from the audience but uh thank you so much silverblade and uh happy you were listening uh we'll maybe join you another time for uh, if you have more questions. But if there's no more questions from the audience, then we will uh, uh, close out here. Uh, this has been a wonderful time with everyone talking about the Bear Clan. Is there any final thoughts from any of our hosts here? Let's start with... Uh, we got a question with... from Rordo. Oh, did Rordo have one? Yep. Um, okay, let's welcome Rordo up first. Uh, let's see what he's got for us. Hello, Rordo. You are breaking up, your, but I'm pretty your sure mic is indecipherable. No, no, no. I think I got it. I think I got it. If that's okay, it sounds. I'm just going to say it and see it. You tell me if this sounds good or not. But what I heard you say was uh, campaign ideas about uniting the clans, sort of bringing them together against a common threat. Does that sound right? Yeah, exactly. Like right. if you're doing a classic high fantasy type adventure, if there are any yeah. ideas or something like that. They would definitely have to unite against uh, Vrika. Is it Vrika or Vrika? Vrika. Vrika the Shepherd. I say Vrika. Vrika the Shepherd. It's Although, really. I also think that Vrika could be the one. You could be with Vrika, uniting them. Vrika. Yeah. Saying. Exactly. Vrika. Vrika. Yeah. Um, Canonically, Vrika. But that's true. Vrika could unite them. They could have to unite against Vrika. Um, for those who don't know, Vrika is like a warlord. He's basically like. Genghis Khan or Napoleon of the Stone Age. Um, he's a very cool threat who we'll talk about at some point. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a cool idea. I mean, I think any sort of high level play would have to, against like world ending threats, like the giant empires crashing in or Blood Mountain exploding with dragons, any sort of, I think at the end of the day, the brothers see each other as basically playing on the same team of survival that's i think implied in the or explicit in the um the winter south sort of the all hunt pack down there and so i think it i don't think it would actually take that i mean it would take a big threat to make them like think of themselves as one clan and even then i don't know if that would ever happen um organically but I think they are sort of poised to unite against a common threat, but it might take a strong adventuring party to overcome the barriers to make that happen. That definitely sounds like a fun later game. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah, that'd be amazing. The teams coming together type thing, and they're by their powers combined. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, that's yeah. A, that was a that's a great question. question. Thank, thank you, Rordo, for for helping that with us. Uh, that was that was really cool as well. Both of those were wonderful. Well. I think the uh, yeah, sorry, what's up? I was going to say just one thing regarding that. I don't think that the issue there would necessarily be um, getting all the clan members on board um, so much as getting the, the three brothers oh, on the board with working gods. together. Yeah, that's fair. The clans might be more... Yeah, there's not a lot about said about how they kind of think of each other or interact with each other because they've kind of all got their turf, but that's definitely an interesting space to explore. Yeah they haven't really seen a lot of each other necessarily if they're all in their same area so yeah they don't have to think about each other that often the gods at least right interesting uh well 
Uh, I think that is a good spot to end off at. But if any of you have anything else you wanted to say about the Bear Clan, about uh, the Owl Bear that we were talking about earlier, anything, our Bear Owl, uh, any other final uh, Hello, Bear. I think the last thing I'll I'll mention is just like I actually think that if you are just if you're just starting out in Plangia, if you're sort of looking for the right place to begin, I think you could do a lot worse than starting in the Bear Clan. It's yeah. basically what you think of when you think of Stone Age. It's very much intended to be flavored like what you kind of already were seeing in your head. It doesn't have like it's not a super there's like nuances, but it's by design, not a very complex society. Like it's people kind of like just living by muscle and grid and feasting and stuff. So I feel like it's definitely a great introduction. And if you're just looking to run a one shot or you just want to start and see what happens, you could do a lot worse than starting in the bear clan. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Like if there were a Lost Minds of Fendelver type adventure for yeah or Plangia, it would probably want to be. <laughs> something to do with yeah. starting at the bear clan and like that's as default as you can get so yeah that would that feels like that would be the type of thing you'd start off with definitely yeah, that's great all right any other final thoughts from the rest of our hosts here uh, dan do you have any final thoughts uh let's see it's a were bear that's also a were owl it's oh. a were owl bear that that's all i got it's a were also, or nice. or a nice, nice. it's or a were were owl bear Oh. I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> where is this? Where where owl bear? I do have. I, I do actually have one real okay. idea. Is yes. that uh, a campaign we are all playing as criminals that escape from the prison of bees? Uh, sounds yeah. really fun, and you could probably get creative in a lot of Swarmkeeper ranger. Very strange ways. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Amazing. Keeper ranger. I love it. Oh, oh that'd be so cool. Oh, that'd be so All right, we're playing that. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Finn, any final thoughts? Uh, I, I can't do better than Beekeeper Ranger. So fair, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Ava, any final thoughts? Um, I was just thinking that uh, shout out to Rangers for being able to lead a community, um, and definitely Beekeeper Ranger as like a kind of not chieftain but like well maybe yeah a chieftain of a encampment of the bear clan would be so yeah. cool they're a chieftain of a camp but the rest of the clan is entirely bees bees all the yeah. way bee folk yeah bee golem yeah. <laughs> Ooh, honey golem done honey Wait, right. the actually no. go, kill it. go write that adventure <laughs> yes right. adam yeah. take us take us home all right, yeah, all right adam, adam, all right. Well, thank you very much for listening. This has been the Clan Fire. If you want to learn more about the setting, you can go to plangia.com or click the link in our show notes. I will remember to put it there. I always do. Uh, please help spread the word about the setting by rating and reviewing this podcast, posting about Plangia on social media. Uh, you can find all of us on the Plangia Discord at, at many hours of the day. I'll probably almost all of them. <laughs> well, um, too many. Too many of them. Exactly. We'd love to see one you of all us there. will be away. <laughs> I am Adam. I am Havoc on the Discord. Finn uh, here is known as Finn on the Discord. Big surprise. Uh, Avalon, our lovely Avalon, is known as Chaotic Good Neighbor. Dan is Captain Speed. And our lovely David, our author, is Smurvel on the Discord. So let's see if you can find each of us there. And, well, until next time, have fun. And may all your feasts be plentiful.